Big Finish sales event is going on now at Bettenhausen Ram on 159th Street in Tinley Park. Power on into the new year with the strength of a new 2022 Bettenhausen Ram truck. Your best Ram buying experience starts now at BettenhausenCTJR.com. Welcome to the Hockey Show presented by Bettenhausen Automotive in Tinley Park and Orland Park. The Hockey Show on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? Here are your hosts, Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Good morning, everybody. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle coming to you from the first Midwest Bank Studios in downtown Chicago. Uh, We started not exactly on time, maybe a a, a skosh late, but uh, we at least started uh, close to tip off here. uh, Unlike the Blackhawks did last (laughs) night. Uh, against I, thought, I thought you were just going to let the music breathe. A yeah, I wasn't going to let it breathe. I just, yeah. I just want to show what it's like. Hit the just, post, like the old rock DJs had to hit the post. Yeah. They talk right up right. to the right. lyric. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like a NASCAR change in here between shows. <laughs> Jumping over the boards. Connor and I were trying to catch up a little yeah. bit, and sure. then you, you got about two minutes, <laughs> and you got to swab the deck here. <laughs> two minutes for interference. Yeah. Yes. But uh, what the heck happened last night at the United? Oh. You didn't expect to see that, did you, Brian Hanley? No. You know, a very good friend of mine perfectly described this team saying, and he watches all the games and he's, you know, he's there all the time. This team exhausts him. And it's, it, that, it perfectly sums up because they can win four in a row. Then they can lose two in a row and look like the team that Jeremy Colleton was running months ago yeah that did feel honestly like yeah. one of the games i saw the first month of the season that's Absolutely. exactly exactly playing, what i thought playing in your own end you know turning the poking at pucks and not controlling the play and there's there's a slot shot there's a slot shot there's a bad rebound oh good lord that that addison goal i could have scored that on yeah on the flower um and, and, you know, it's an interesting week because uh, we're going to have Ben Pope, our buddy from the Sun-Times, on. And he had an interesting exchange with Marc-Andre Fleury earlier, earlier in the week. And, and Marc-Andre Fleury, being the uh, happy-go-lucky, easy-going guy is, um, you know, basically Ben was asking him about, well, since the, the Ox really have uh, slimmed to none chance to make the playoffs, you know, what do you think about, you know, moving on? And And we'll play that exchange in full, but... You know, the reality is that Marc-Andre Fleury, I believe, needs to move on, even though he said all the right things the other day, Pat, that he's here to help the the Hawks win, and that's his only purpose in, in life currently. And, you know, that that's the veteran answer, and it might even be a sincere answer. But realistically, uh, you know, that should be the start of trade talks for Kyle Davidson. And and sooner the better. I mean, he can get hurt. Um I would have traded him after that great save on on Jared McCann against the Kraken on Monday. You know where everyone's going, wow! How, how wow. about that? You know, wow. against a really bad Seattle team. Now, Derek King blamed the 
the fatigue and, and, yeah, and COVID, yeah, you know, yeah. all the guys in protocol and flying out there for a one-off. And okay, you know, I'll buy that. He knows this team a hell of a lot better than you or I. But then, uh, then he gives them Tuesday, Wednesday off. They had a good practice Thursday, and then you know what was the excuse last night? Can't say it was fatigue. They no. had plenty of time to rest. So uh, that is our poll question on the topic of trades. Right now, uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at ESPN Hockey Show. You can call us at 312-332-3776. The question is, if you had to pick one, which of the following Blackhawks should be dealt at the trade deadline? Your choices are the flower, Marc-Andre Fleury, Dylan Strom, who had the lone goal last night, Alex DeBrinkett, who's been carrying this team offensively, or Calvin DeHaan, who's done a very solid job on the back end. Again, you can go to uh, Twitter, follow the show at ESPN Hockey Show. And right now, the early results are overwhelming favorite to move Marc-Andre Fleur. It, it, it makes the most sense. He's 37, last year of his deal. I don't think he would want to re-sign here considering the length of time it's going to take for the Blackhawks to be a legitimate cup contender. He probably only has... You know, a few more years, two to three more years max of uh, playing at the, you know, the Vesna Trophy all star level that he's accustomed to playing. And uh, so he probably would want to go somewhere where he could make another run at a fourth title. Uh, so that being said, he did say all the right things the other day, Brian, because there's two months to the March 21st trade deadline. And yeah, mathematically, the Hawks are still in it. I mean, they're eight points back of the second wild card. They're now 13 points back of the first wild card, which is owned by Minnesota. And they've got six teams to jump to get that. So look, their chances, if you look at the analytics, two to 3%, something like that. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury said he's, focusing on getting this team back in the playoff mix. But I have to think in the next two weeks, they play, they've got six more games before the all-star break. And most of those games, other than Detroit, are all against Western Conference teams. A lot of them are against Central Division foes. They've got two more against the Wild, including tonight. It's going to decide, likely, their fate of whether they're sort of back in this wild card discussion or if Kyle Davidson needs to, you know, be on that phone, be on the three phones he has and and, and really start working some deals. Because like you said, you know, the last thing you want to see is someone to go on the shelf that you could have picked up a second round pick. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that you could get a number one uh, pick a first-rounder for Flurry, especially the way he's playing with the number of teams that are looking for netminding and with his track record. Well, you know, 2% is a milk. It's not a real realistic <laughs> chance of making the playoffs. Right. Um, but, I, you know, we, maybe we take a listen to that exchange and then expound upon, you know, what the possibilities are because they're desperate for a first-round pick. Ben Pope wrote about it in the Sun-Times. you got to get creative. Um you know, what are the Hawks willing to do if, in fact, they also, uh, you know, uh, sub- subscribe to the idea of getting no, that first round pick? Yeah. Uh, sorry, I, I uh, jump-started the, uh, the flurry uh, soundbite yeah, here. Well, let's take a listen. Yeah, so this is the exchange he had with Ben Pope 
uh, regarding his thoughts on uh, possibly uh, being moved. And again, he has a no movement clause where he can pick 10 teams that he does not want to be traded to. You know, I just want to uh, put this team in a good position, you know, to, to make playoffs. And uh, that's my goal. Do you still feel like this team is capable of making a run and, even though it's kind of mathematically improbable to to get to the playoffs. <laughs> Thanks for the positive thoughts there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I think you know, like last last, I don't know, like those last five games, I've, I've been better. You know, I think we've been playing better, and um, like I said, you know, we're playing some division teams coming up, and. Uh, I, I think there's no quit in our game, right? We got to keep pushing through this, and uh, I know there's a lot of teams ahead of us. Of us and, but um, I don't know. It's uh, still my goal, you know, try to uh, keep climbing the standing as much as possible. So again, Florida, that was the other day, and uh, pretty funny exchange when Ben, the realist, just uh, he's like, "Well, it's you know, I mean, we can say your guys are in the playoff hump, huh? but <laughs> mathematically, you know, it's yeah, highly unlikely." Back to the envelope, math says uh, not this year, right? Um, you know, it, 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 everyone, you know, I see Emily wrote again that Edmonton should be or is interested in Flurry. You know, how quickly do you have to pull the trigger if you're Edmonton as they slip? I mean, they're just above the Blackhawks in the wild card chase after they're. A little bit of a, a spell here, right? Yeah. Well, here here's where the the uh, the personal side of of hockey and a trade comes into play. We know that Mark Andre Fleury has three kids, and it, it, uh, to say he was reluctant to come here, he had to think about it. He had to strongly consider uh, does he does he really want the six to seven million dollars that he's making this year? Uh, you know. He, does he want to uproot his family who were uh, part of the fabric in Vegas? Does he wait to see if, you know, they somehow can pull off a deal and get him to Pittsburgh or wherever he really wanted to be? But look, he took a look at some of the moves the Haw- Hawks made in the offseason, and he thought that uh, they had upgraded enough that he's like, you know what, I'm going to give this a chance. I don't know how willing he would be in a pandemic to – to uproot and go to Ed- now again he doesn't need to take the entire family to Edmonton but there you know there's some certain border issues that he needs to deal with also we're 2 months from the trade deadline you know maybe he wants to wait and see what team is really uh right there on the precipice of the playoffs before he hooks his wagon to them as well, so well that's the thing. I mean, who said? Who thought Edmonton be sitting here at eighteen, sixteen, and two, you know, uh, struggling and and being questioned at home about their recent play and they've lost four in a row? I mean, if you're going to go up there in the minus forty five without the wind chill and and live the rest of the season there for a team that, even though has the best player in the world, isn't really going to make a, a run at the Stanley Cup. And again, if you're Edmonton's brass in front office don't you have to make a move like today to to right the ship and get some momentum going to to make you know to make the playoffs let alone make a run for the cup i mean that's that's what everybody is saying ken holland should do in in canada i mean he's under fire with that kind of talent the fact that the and they just they're just getting substandard goaltending and yeah. and you know but they're not the only one and there's other they're, teams you know we talk about they're 27th in save percentage, right? Right. I mean, that, that tells you why there's, they're hovering around 500 right now. 
All right, coming up on the other side, we're going to hear from Derek King. We also have a poll question up there. What grade would you give interim coach Derek King at this point, ABC or a D slash F? Uh, go to our uh, Twitter page there at ESPN Hockey Show. Again, give us a call, 312 332 3776. We'll hear Connor from Connor Murphy as well. And a couple reports out of Canada regarding who is available for the Blackhawks at the trade deadline and who is on the untouchable list. It's all coming up next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Rolling on on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Brought to you by our good friends at Bettenhausen CDJR and Tinley Park with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. Hawks coming off a tough one last night. 5-1 defeat to the Minnesota Wild. Ryan Hartman, former Blackhawk and uh, West Dundee native. Couple goals last night. I don't know if you caught this, the uh, the, the piece on in The Athletic on him. He was sick as a dog last oh, night. He couldn't oh, keep he- anything down. He said, said, didn't didn't seem to bother him as far as the scoring touch. How about this? He said he only thing he missed practice Thursday because of the stomach bug. Ate some salad and a couple noodles. Doesn't sound like a, the you know a hockey meal you would think for a guy like that. He said every ten seconds, I felt like it felt like four minutes. I was just kind of exhausted. Was trying not to throw up every time he took the ice. He said the good thing the goals came early in the shifts because he didn't know if he could have the stamina to do it at the end of a shift. Well, well, here's the here's the uh, the interesting news. Blackhawks fans could relate to him because they they felt like throwing up as they were watching <laughs> that first period last night, and then going down five zip. Uh, you know, Derek King always uses bad shrimp when he when he talks about a player who is uh, on the shelf with some sort of ailment that's non COVID related. Uh, that's his uh, his little running joke. But he he wasn't happy last night with his team's performance. Here is Derek King afterwards on the 5-1 loss and whether or not uh, he was surprised that his team was not ready to go. I didn't expect that. I thought we'd come out jumping. We knew it was a, uh, we were playing against a very good hockey team, and I, I thought we were up for the challenge. We had a, plenty of rest. We were good practice, and we just the puck dropped, and they, you know, that's why they're one of the best teams in the league. They come hard, they win puck battles, and they're ready to play. Look, he doesn't call players out, but he also uh, he tells you what what basically all of us see. You know, when there when there was an effort in Seattle where Mark Andre Fleury was the reason why they even got a point, he points that out. Certain guys aren't going if you're not defending. Um, he doesn't call up players by name, but he certainly lets you know that it's something that's on their radar and something they plan to address. I just I, I I was really, really disappointed that, you know, with a Friday night crowd at the United Center, yep. with this critical stretch before the All-Star break, with a division foe, an opportunity. These are the four-point nights. These are the This is where you can make up ground on the team that had the top wildcard spot. You can yeah. get two points closer and prevent them from getting two. And instead, you know, they're now up four points on you. You come out. Not ready to play. You, the game's entirely in your zone. Turnovers, lack of effort, poor goaltending. I mean, Flurry gets pulled. Didn't see. Imagine that coming at all. Uh, it just. It was a Jeremy Carlton game, and and that's why the, this team is exhausting because they go on these little stretches, and from the most part under Derek King, they've been competitive, and they've cleaned up a lot of things. 
but they'll throw in a game like that, which tells you, once again, they're much closer to the bottom. And I was wondering, as, as I was watching that, is there any lesson to be learned from Minnesota Wild and that organization? Because well, how many GMs did they go through in the last 10 years and how many coaches? And, you know, they, they traded core players and then they signed some key free agents. and Bought out some out. big contracts. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, that's a good point. It's a great point, Brian. Yeah. If, if you're looking at teams that, that uh, you know, are strapped as far as the cap with some veterans that are making some big-time bucks and they need to reboot how to go about it, the, the Wild is a pretty damn good example of, of how you can do that with guys like Ryan Suter, who they moved, and, and, and others. Mm-hmm. Um and that that's that brings us to our next topic. Frank Cervelli out of uh, Canada, out of uh, Sportsnet 650. Uh, he's been tapped in a bit with the Blackhawks this year as far as uh, what's going on in the front office with Kyle Davidson, the interim general manager. And so Cervelli put out a couple of tweets this week. The first one said, my sense is that the Blackhawks know they need to shake things up there. Regarding the trade deadline, to bring it, Hagel and Kubalik are all potentially available. Mm-hmm. He went on to say Kane, Taves, and Seth Jones, the only untouchables. And I, I, if I'm Kyle Davidson, they're only untouchable if they tell me, if Kane and Taves tell me they're untouchable. I mean, that that they, they're, they're not going because they have that prerogative with the no movement clause. I mean, our list, Twitter only allows you four choices. My list might be three times as long. Right. Um, you, you just yeah, shake it up or blow it up, however you want to characterize it. You've got to think in big picture terms here, and you have to say, what can I get? And I know you've been joking with me that I'm, you know, I've got the Hanley moving van out in front of DeBrinkett's house, and I'm just waiting to, for the couch to come down. We can go. <laughs> um, but, I, I, I mean, that if you're being realistic – that's where you're going to get your number one pick and then some. Uh, that's where, you know, you're really making a, a difference moving forward. Well, if you use that pick correctly. so right. And you're not alone, okay? You're not alone as far as our uh, our poll question right now, who should be dealt. Uh, only 7% were going with Alex Dabrinkit. So you're in the minority. But Barstool Chief, who we had on the show a couple weeks ago, wrote a piece this week about, you know, the thoughts of moving the 24-year-old to Brinkett. And, you know, he his point in his piece was, is he good enough to be the best player on a team that wins you the cup? He said, if you took to Brinkett and put him on the last Blackhawks Stanley Cup winning team, the 2015 team, Chief goes, you know, he's he's the fifth best behind Keith, Kane, Taves, Hosa. Not, not going to argue with that. Those... Those four guys are all Hall of Famers. Um, you, you you might be able to nitpick and say, ah, no, you know, the way he's playing right now, uh, it at would be fourth or what have you, but he's somewhere, he's somewhere four or five, something like that. It's the it's the Zach Levine Bulls conversation we, we had before, you know, pro and con. Right. Zach Levine's a superstar. No, he's the fifth or sixth guy on a on a NBA title team, right? Right. And you didn't know until you put actual talent around him like DeMar DeRozan. And, exactly. No, that's a, it's a good comp. I mean, obviously yeah. a different sport because one right. player can sure. make such a difference in the NBA. But but the argument in the NBA is you need at least three legit well, right. stars to even be in the conversation, right? And, and Yeah, and I mean, in, in the NHL, 
you have to have a number one D, and and Keith obviously filled that bill. You need to be strong down the middle. The Hawks were. Johnny was playing at, at a, a extremely high level. You've got a Hall of Famer in Kane on a wing. You, you've got the also is, is the, the complimentary player. So so Chief put to bring it in that complimentary role, like the Sharps, the Seabrooks, and the Jalmersons. Uh, no, I'm, I I'm, I'm, I'm not buying above that. Yeah, yeah. that's that. Yeah, there's got to be some other tier for me. And, and this is the other thing. It's not like the Blackhawks are going to become the Arizona Coyotes next year, okay? Well, They're not going to just not. start taking on other teams' bad money and throwing, you know, guys making $1 million a year out on the ice that are, you know, AHL tweeners. I mean, it's just not – they're going to pay – you know, Seth Jones is making $9.5 million. Yeah. Kane and Taves will make ten and a half next year, at least cap hit-wise. Uh, you know, Taves isn't going to make that the following year if he's still with this team. And and, and Patrick probably is not either. Uh, you know, you got Flurry's money coming off the book. I mean, I, I to me, again, do you think someone's going to give you three number one picks for Alex to bring it and no. a top prospect? No. no. Do you think they're going to give you two? It probably uh, it, starts at two, right? I mean, it, for it, you to to entertain it. Yeah, right. Absolutely. You're not giving them away. You're not desperate. Right. I, I, I just, th- this thought let, oh, well, you know, we got to reboot the system. Okay, so you get two number one picks. And then I, Take I a look at argument. the success rate. Yeah. Take a look right. at the success rate. It's usually below 50%, and sometimes with this team, it's it's probably even lower. Well, so at best that, case scenario, he... I'm, getting, I'm getting Alex to bring it back, but he's going to be 18 years of age and not really performing, you know, on a uh, all-star level for th- four years. So will they? Will the Blackhawks have their front office reorganization done and reboot it in time for that draft? So if Kyle Davidson is allowed to make a a monster move and acquire at least one first-round pick, if not more, will they have the new? After doing this thorough evaluation, will they have the new blood in place? And you know, Kyle. It's a great question. No, it's a great question. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think Bill Polian's running the the Blackhawks head of hockey ops well, search. The, they, they might have the NHL draft before the Bears have a head coach. Um, <laughs> the way things are going right now. I mean, it's like a deli up there. Just take a number, and, and, and you, get, you get a Zoom. Get a Zoom link. You get an interview, and you get an interview. You know, and, and, and I, I, I mean, I'm joking about it, but it's better than Ernie Acorsi saying, "Here's, you know, here's John Fox. Take him, and, and where's my right, checks?" Right. But it, I mean, I thought it'd be done by Wednesday. You'd at least have the coach, but you know, no one's hired the coach yet. You know, the Giants went and got a GM yesterday, so maybe Brian Dable's coming off the board after after the Bills play again. But you know, I'm I'm worried that the hot coach or the best coach who's done one of the 12 interviews or whatever gets off the board because the, the bears are on their 30th round of, of interviews. You know? No, I, I, I hear you. Um, I, I, I hope the Blackhawks have their hockey ops situation done before the draft. I would like to think that that's a realistic possibility, but I think you're going to see a lot about the, the, the faith that this organization has in Kyle Davidson with the moves, the potential moves he makes between now and March 21st. Uh, I mean, if, if you see them pull the trigger on a, a Mark Andre Fleury deal, that would tell me ownership. The sticking around. Yeah. yeah or, or they have, uh, he's, he's got to stick around with the new regime that comes right. in too. Right. right. Yes. Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, so some of the, uh, 
the poll responses uh, to our Twitter poll question of who would you of this group deal at the deadline, Flurry Strom to Brinkett or DeHaan, Flurry leading the way at 60%, followed by DeHaan at 17 and Strom at 16. Well, uh, DJ you know Sell, who I voted for. I know who you did. Yes. <laughs> the, the cat man over there that you yeah. are. You're yeah. going to change your uh, your Twitter handle to uh, Brinkett's Mover. Yeah. Uh, DJ Settle says Flurry because he deserves a lot better than what's in front of him right now. MJB Shy Sox says anyone but DeBrinket. I'm with you, MJB. Uh, TQ says DeHaan, Gus, Murphy, Flower, Strom. They should all sit down with Kane and Taves and talk about a sweetheart extension because if not, they need to craft an exit plan and get full value to kickstart the rebuild. Uh, you know, there's a lot, lot of truth to that, and and it's going to be interesting. The new regime, when they sit down with Patrick and Johnny and and get their thoughts on how they want the end of their Blackhawks run to be. Do they mm-hmm. want it to be now? Move on to another city? Do they willing to to stick it out? Forever a cornerstone of this franchise, won three cups. Yeah, we're in a rebuild and things are lean and we haven't won a playoff series since 2015, but we'll sign up. That seems Uh, like a long time ago. It does seem like a long time ago. It does seem like a long time ago. Uh, Ben Pope, who is all over this beat, he is in uh, St. Paul for the rematch against the Wild. We will talk to him next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Rolling on on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I'm Pat Boyle. Coming up on Wednesday, we're making our way to uh, North Central Illinois for another hockey watch party. We're heading to Offside Sports Bar in Woodstock. That's Wednesday, January 22nd. As Chicago travels to Detroit, uh, you can enter to win a Coors Light prize pack there. And the ESPN Chicago Street team will be on site with the Nissan Titans. So, again, that's Wednesday at the Offside Sports Bar in Woodstock. You can uh, win yourself a Coors Light prize pack and uh, check out that Nissan Titan. Joining us now, a Titan on the uh, Blackhawks beat. He uh, was at O'Hare bright and early this morning after covering last night's game, making his way to Minnesota. And I noticed you uh, you tweeted about seeing somebody at the bar at 7 a.m. trying to... <laughs> coerced somebody into uh, doing a shot of Malort, and all I could think of was, was it a Blackhawks fan? Because uh, I could understand. Yeah, that was um, that was an interesting experience. Just uh, you know, sleepily walking to my gate and um, passing the bar, and I hear some guy yelling out, "Hey, are you from Chicago?" And they say, "No, New York." And it's like, "Have you heard of Malort?" And then I. Continue walking on by. So uh, I pity them if they gave in. <laughs> well, Ben, I mean, I don't miss those turnarounds on uh, back-to-backs and get, getting that first flight out, but God bless you for doing that. Um, interesting things you've been writing this week, and, and uh, you know, the, the, we're talking about how the Hawks go about rebuilding and, and getting a first-round pick or two or three because they could use all of them. Um, you know, you wrote yesterday about what it would take and creativity. 
what are the chances that one, they, they do something substantial between now and the trade deadline in March? And two, how creative do they have to get to, to recoup uh, that precious first round pick? Yeah, well, I think it's all kind of speculative right now. Um, I think we're used to the trade deadline being um, a lot earlier than it is this year. It's not till March 21st, which is just under two months away now. Um, and I think even for me, it's it's on my mind perhaps more than it should be at this point because it is still so far away and um, there hasn't been a lot of actual traction on the trade market yet. But certainly it's something we still have to start looking forward to. And um, considering where the Blackhawks are in the standing, it's probably not going to be playing a ton of interesting hockey over the next two months. Uh, it's going to be a big topic of discussion and uh, one of the biggest um, things that they're going to have to prepare for um, considering that the future of this franchise is a lot more important than the present and a lot more relevant. So, um, yeah, getting that first-round pick back is pretty crucial. Um, obviously, they could get it back if they win the lottery. Right now, they'd have a 12% chance of doing that, of getting first or second, which triggers the clause that brings it back from Columbus. But that means there's an 88% chance that that pick is gone. Um, and I think we can... We can debate the merits of the trade that gave it up all we want, but it's, it's happened now. It's in the past, and uh, interim GM Kyle Davidson just has to try to work around it. Um, I think the biggest trade ship, obviously, is Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, that's, that's pretty obvious at this point. Um, but even still, getting a first-round pick back for him uh, will take some work and will take some negotiation, and um, they might have to either try to incite some sort of bidding war to up his value or uh, maybe tack on a little extra asset as a sweetener um, and certainly they'll also have to convince him to be willing to accept the trade because um, he, he pretty much controls the cards in this situation. So uh, there's a lot of things that uh, are still up in the air now, and there's going to be a lot going on over the next two months. But finding a way to get that first-round pick back and being able to build around that as part of the fu- future rebuild is going to be pretty important moving forward. And Ben, you spoke with uh, Mark Andre Fleury as uh, all the beat writers did when uh, he sat down this past week, and you asked him the question about uh, you know kind of considering his hockey future. And I thought he had you know the pro answer, right? You know, we're two months away; he's still thinking playoffs, but but deep down, you know, he's got to be thinking about having that conversation if he hasn't already started with his wife about okay, so they they picked up the family. Moved him from Vegas to Chicago. They thought the team was a, a little closer to competing to the playoffs. And, and you know what? Let's be honest. If they n- had not gotten off of that awful start, the 1-9-2, and two, uh, the win percentage under Derek King would have them right in the, in the discussion for a playoff spot. But that obviously didn't happen. So when he analyzes this and, and, and you know, do you think deep down he's willing to, you know, even if it means leaving the family here for a month or two while he goes to chase his fourth cup, that his competitive juices uh, would want to be, uh, you know, you know, would he want to make another run and be willing to leave them here in Chicago to do it? I mean, it's it's hard to get a sense because of our limited contact with him. But do you have any thoughts on on something like that? Yeah, that's something where I wish, um, you know, in a normal season where we'd be interacting in the locker room and talking with him, maybe not every day, but pretty regularly, and um, get a better sense of sort of his inner thoughts. Um, I think that would it would be a little bit easier to determine. I think w- where we are currently, 
um, we don't really know where he's at in terms of his thinking uh, with this. Certainly he was really reluctant last summer um, to, to move to Chicago, and I don't think it was anything about Chicago. It's just that he didn't want to move in general. Um, and I perhaps the most reluctant I've seen a player um, in that kind of situation to, to move in some time. So certainly um, it's not a slam dunk a thing as it would be for another player to maybe uh, go to a contender and pursue a cup rather than stay on a team that's not going to make the playoffs. Um, but I think it's certainly possible. Uh, like you mentioned, he wouldn't necessarily have to move his family again. It, this is only going to be for a few months. Um, they could stay here. He could go there um, wherever it ends up being and, and be there, try to win that cup and then come back. Um, he's a free agent at the end of this season, and he's able to decide his future, whether he retires or uh, whether he signs with uh, Pittsburgh or Vegas or um, or if he goes to a new team, um, he'll be able to control his future at that point, which I think he'll appreciate. So maybe he'd consider uh, a little bit more turbulence right before that point. Uh, but maybe he wants to stick it out in Chicago. And I get the sense that if he does, the Blackhawks are going to let him do that. Um, they're not going to force him to, to move again. Uh, his parcel no trade clause is only parcel. He can uh, submit a list of 10 teams, I, I believe. So he couldn't block every single team, but I get the sense that um, if he doesn't want to be traded, the Hawks will honor that and not force him to, to use that clause in his contract. So it's really going to come down to his mentality. And um, right now we don't exactly know where that is, but hopefully we'll get a better sense of that over the next couple months. And you mentioned that, you know, a couple months away because of the dead, deadline being pushed back this season and really no traction in, in trades to this point. When does a team like Edmonton get desperate enough to, to pull the trigger on uh, making a, a trade for a goalie, or even Colorado is sitting on top of the Central. But, you know, as you point out, their save percentage, uh, 21st in the league, if they really want to win a cup, they know they have to upgrade there. When do these teams, whether you're you're enjoying the season like uh, Colorado or you're desperate now like Edmonton, when, when does someone make that big move and get things going? I Even though I think there's good reasons for both those teams, uh, I think that it's going to be a while. Um, I think we just see every year the urgency really doesn't increase in these negotiations until there's a little bit of time pressure and until teams know as much information as possible about where they are in the standings and what their feeling is for this year. Um, so even with Edmonton, who's obviously been floundering the past month and uh, clearly needs a spark. Uh, they just put Mike Smith on IR too, I think, and uh, it's it's been a rough go for them. And Mark Andre Fleury would make such a huge difference. Uh, I don't think we're going to see anything happen soon, just because um, the trade talks really haven't gotten dialed up yet, and this is probably going to be a longer negotiation process, considering um, obviously getting Fleury's approval, but also you know what a relatively big trade it would be, and what a significant payoff uh, the Oilers would have to give uh, to get him. So. I think it's going to be a while, but, but like you mentioned, the Oilers are a really logical candidate in terms of a, a talented team uh, that has Stanley Cup upside but uh, struggled lately and, and needs goaltending. Colorado, too, um, is 21st in the league in, in save percentage, and um, they could obviously be maybe one piece away from being um, the Cup winner. Uh, I think we've seen the, them being one of the best teams in the league and just kind of undone by that in the playoffs the last few years. It would be fascinating to see them use Flurry against Vegas, too, from a sort of impartial entertainment standpoint. Uh, there are a few other teams that could also get interested. I think Washington uh, might be one of them, and then even Toronto or Pittsburgh, even though they've gotten good goaltending so far, 
Um, they don't have the most proven guys in that, and, and they certainly have that Stanley Cup ambition too. So there are a handful of teams that might be interested, but I think it's still going to take a while before we see exactly which one of them is going to make that hard push for him. And, and Ben from the uh, Chicago Sun-Times joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You bring up Colorado, looks like a natural fit, and then you look at the draft equity that they have. They don't have a first-rounder this year, a second-rounder this year, or a fourth-rounder this year. So al- already, you know, yeah, it, it may be a fit. You may have to pick up salary, but that then that team has to have the draft equity that you're looking for. And right now, unless you're looking at 2023 or and beyond, uh, Colorado doesn't have that equity. How active do you think Kyle Davidson will be? How active can he be under the, the current situation that he's under as the interim general manager? And do you believe the report that Sarah Valley had this week that Kane Taves and Seth Jones are the only untouchables? Yeah, I, I think his activity is going to be dictated more by the trade market around the league, which obviously has been a little bit stagnant so far, um, than by his position. Um, from my understanding, he has full authority to uh, to make any trades he wants, to reshape the roster how he wants, and to, to be pretty aggressive and uh, kind of rebuilding the Hawks and, and building up their prospect pool and, and draft picks. Um, I think he's going to pursue every avenue there. There's not, not going to be any limitations on, on what he can look into and, and what he can negotiate. Um, so I, I don't think that's going to be the issue. It's going to be more just what other GMs are, are looking for. And, it, and if the trade market just around the league kind of gets going a little more than we've seen lately. Um, but, uh, yeah, that report was interesting. Um, I, I certainly think those three probably are untouchable. Uh, obviously, the, the big storyline there is Alex Debrinkit not being mentioned in that report. Uh, I know Elliot Friedman then came back and said that he – his understanding is to bring it's not on the table at all. And um, I haven't heard anything specifically in that, mainly because it's not really something I'd thought of before, but um, I would be shocked if he was available. I mean, maybe in the most um, huge of trades, it, it could be considered, but I don't think it's like the Blackhawks are going to be shopping to bring it or anything like that. I, he's certainly a, an integral piece and uh, they're going to want to keep him unless they're just absolutely blown away by some kind of out-of-the-blue offer. So, well, but, hey, Ben, uh, ben get... if, if you want to talk about it, uh, Brian is outside of Brinkett's house right now yeah. in a van. Yeah. And, Tommy and Hawk and I. Yeah. He, he's, we're, for, we're some, yeah, for some reason, Hanley has this thing. Well, because he... <laughs> I just, I mean, you're much closer to the bottom of the top, and you, if you're going to really try to get those assets back, and, and Ben, to put in perspective, you know, Pat and I have talked about it, you wrote about it this week, your your prospect pipeline has one guy in it, Reichel. I mean, that's how desperate you are. You don't have talent coming up that you can count on, right? Yeah, yeah, that's certainly that's certainly the factor. I mean, they they have some defensemen who might be decent second or third pairing guys, but yeah, there's not a lot of game breaking talent down there, and that's that's another reason why getting a first round pick or uh, maybe a top prospect or something is so important because. Yeah, it makes sense to rebuild right now, but there's just not a lot to rebuild around. What have you thought of Derek King's performance as the the interim head coach? I think he's certainly done you know a very good job, um, about as good of a job as you could expect in the situation he came into. Um, he, he's a really nice guy. I think he's helped settle the team down and build their confidence and um, his patience when things go badly, like they did last night, is admirable. I think that helps them get back on track quickly. Um, he's, he's been exactly what the Hawks needed in this situation where they were kind of broken and fragile and just a mess um, a few months ago. And now they're maybe not the best team in the league, but they're competitive and, and they believe in themselves. And 
um, they're you know playing decent hockey. I- I'm not sure yet if he's really the long-term solution. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of experience in the NHL. Um, he's definitely an old-fashioned guy in terms of some of his strategies and uh, his preference for sort of grinding uh, depth players over you know opening it up a little bit. Um, but he's done a really good job so far, and he's probably increased his stock considering he came in and was probably considered a long shot. Uh, but I'm still not really convinced that if he's definitely the guy moving forward. But, yeah, definitely a good job for him so far. And the last one I'd have for you, Ben, I asked Pat about this. When you're talking about trying to get assets and then execute those assets at the uh, when the draft comes up uh, in the summer, will the Blackhawks front office reorganization be completed by then? Yeah, they probably should be. Uh, I think that's kind of the deadline is maybe around that draft free agency time in July um, to have their leadership in place so that they can start building a, a longer-term plan. Um, I I would expect Kyle Davidson will be a significant part of whatever that structure ends up being, uh, which gives a little bit more um, you know credence to what he's doing right now. Uh, but yeah, they they hopefully want to have that figured out and. I get the sense they've been doing more sort of planning and, and um, brainstorming right now than interviewing specific candidates or really getting down to the nitty gritty. Um, but I think over the next five or six months, we're going to see all of that come into, come into place, uh, especially once we get past the trade deadline and they don't maybe have to worry about that as much and they can focus on, you know, really fleshing out that hockey ops staff out around Davidson or above Davidson. All right, Ben, uh, the, the true question is this. You made it through the airport. You saw somebody throwing down Malort shots at 7 a.m. Uh, you just uh, you know, chronicled a 5-1 loss last night. Did you have early checking? Because one thing is to take that uh, early fight to uh, to St. Paul, don't Minneapolis. You don't want to be wandering a, a lobby for the next five hours. So what did, did you have early checking? Yes. Yeah, I did. I'm uh, comfortably, comfortably in my bed uh, here in St. Paul uh, doing this interview. So All right. uh, I have a little time to watch the football, too. All right. Well, enjoy that, and uh, we will see what happens tonight when the Wild and Blackhawks reconvene. Ben, keep up the great work at the Sun-Times, and uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, thanks for having me. me. We're back to wrap things up on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. This hour is brought to you by Northwestern Basketball, Chicago's Big Ten team. Coach Collins and the Cats coming off a huge win last Saturday in East Lansing. They host Illinois, Indiana, Purdue, and a whole bunch more in Big Ten play. Buy tickets now at nusports.com. I blame the hockey show for this misunderstanding. I, I do too, Sylvie. By the way, don't throw your wife under the bus like you did. That was above and beyond inappropriate the other day. Uh, it's time now for this. It's it's one-timers. 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 One-timer by Everton. He's On the Hockey Show. One-time shot. On ESPN 1000. One more time. One-timers on the Hockey Show. Brian, we talked about how bad things are in Edmonton. How bad are they? Uh, well, you're going to tell us. <laughs> well, Mark andre Fleury, we mentioned he can laugh and uh, be an easygoing guy when someone might perceive uh, Ben Pope's question to be a little bit on the negative side, basically saying you got no shot in the playoffs here. Apparently, uh, the uh, little rough patch that the Oilers are in, uh, Leon Dreisaitl wasn't in the mood for anything. And my buddy, uh, Maddie Jim Matheson, who's been – Hall of Famer, by the way, uh, been covering the Oilers since their inception, 
had this little exchange with uh, with Leon Dreisaitl. And hockey guys normally don't don't uh, go roll like this, but Leon was in no mood. Lots of reasons for why the owners are playing the way they are in terms of winning and losing. What do you think is the number one reason for the losses now? Is there is there one thing that you in your own mind you're saying we got to get better at that? Yeah, we ha- we have to get better at everything. Would you like to expand on that? Nope. You can do that. You know everything. Why are you so pissy, Leon? <laughs> Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just I, answering your. Yeah, you are. Whenever I ask you a question, I gave you an answer. Not very good one. Okay. I have one more for you, Leon. You show your frustration on the ice. Last game against Ottawa. Is that a good thing when you show it so the other team knows you're frustrated? Yeah, it's a great thing, for sure. <laughs> good. Yeah. Oh, you love that. As a former beat oh. rider, you, give me the person or the exchange, the worst one you had in your years covering the Blackhawks. Do you? I, 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 you know, it was Bob Murray and me all the time, like once a week. Once but a week, the, going at the it. Play, but the players, you know, I don't care how bad, and they were, you know, they were bad teams with good talent. Um, but normally black, uh, uh, hockey players in general don't, don't get like that. I mean, Sean Dunson and I had one for the ages down in uh, Mesa and he remembered a column I wrote the previous season at the end of the season. And he was ready and waiting for me with a buzzy. Oh yeah. Mark Grace had to sit us down and like have negotiate a, a season long peace agreement with two folding chairs and he, or three, he sat in the middle. But I mean, that was like a week after we he was, you know, calling me every name in the book. So yeah, God bless him. My thanks to Tyler Aki, Jake Cantu, Ben Pope from the Sun Times. Uh, coming up next, Brian and Xander get you ready for the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Two games today: Bengals taking on the Titans in the early window, and the late one tonight at Lambeau Field. The Packers. And Jimmy G and the 49ers. Enjoy breaking that one down for you, Brian. Uh, Hawks back in action tonight. One of those lovely 8 o'clock starts, 7.30 pregame show. Daddy needs to get a nap in before that one. <laughs> we'll get the, give the remote a workout tonight. We'll and a shot of Malort. Oh. <laughs> That's going to do it for the hockey show. Have fun with Xander, all right, Brian? Will do. Thanks, Pat. I'll see you next Saturday. That's it for the hockey show on ESPN 1000.